Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Diane Pearson. Diane, are you ready to do this? I am ready to go. Excellent. Let's do this. Diane is a CFP, a PPC, and a CDFA. She is the winner of over 10 National Best Advisor Awards. She's a wealth advisor at Legend Financial Advisors and Emerging Wealth Investment Management. I'm excited to have you on. Diane, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your professional background, and why you do what you do. Well, George, um, we're located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I actually am one of the founders of the firm. We opened our doors in January of 1994 uh, and um, have built the firm ever since. Myself and Luciana Solovich, who's the president of the firm, came from another advisory firm and um, decided at that point we wanted to be a fiduciary. And we were on the cutting edge as far as that goes in this world of investments and have continued to build that way. So it's been interesting to watch the, the evolution of our industry as a fiduciary has become a, a hot topic and a point of discussion over the past couple of years. And so it's, it's been nice to be part of that whole evolution of our, of our um, industry. On a personal side, I am married. I have two adult children um, and actually am a big uh, fan of ice hockey. actually played myself for 10 years, and um, that competitive nature, I think, fits well in this industry. <laughs> nice. A decade yeah. of ice hockey. That is a, yes. a very, 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 I was going to call it very cool, but that would be sort of a lazy play on words, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you're certainly right. Uh, being a fiduciary, your your desire to to change gears, and you said 1994 and become fiduciaries was certainly well beyond the current industry trend. And Absolutely. I think it's you'll certainly probably agree that it's such an important thing and such a positive thing for for consumers that the industry is moving more in that direction. So, well, I would have to imagine that the desire for or the the need for uh, a client to work with a fiduciary advisor is present in every aspect, but certainly in, in when we talk about rolling money out of a, a retirement plan as well. So I wanted to get your your thoughts and, and, and your take on just what people's options are. I, I think it's very valuable to lend that education to everyone out there who needs to make that decision about what to do with the retirement monies. Because many situations have been that uh, the participant has worked for the employer for a number of years. Either they've saved their own money on a pre-tax basis or even after tax within a Roth, uh, and then they're leaving their employer. We found many situations where if it's uh, early in their career, sometimes they've forgotten about that money and left it with a employer's plan, and um, somewhere along the line, paperwork comes in the mail and says, hey, you have this this pocket of money, they really hadn't been paying attention to it for a number of years. But what I think is most important to, again, share from the fiduciary standpoint is that we try to educate everyone that we talk to that you have more than just one option of rolling that money into an IRA rollover, because that's traditionally what we have heard 
over the past couple of decades. Oh, we'll put it in this IRA rollover, and I can manage it for you, and I'm going to make money from that. Or roll it over into an annuity, and we can take care of that for you. But there's actually a couple of different options there. So the first one is you can actually leave it with your employer plan if the plan permits. And um, evaluating why you might want to do that, we can get into um, more details regarding that. The second one is you can take a cash distribution. When you do that directly from an employer plan, an important key to remember there is that the employer is required by law to withhold 20% in federal taxes. And if you're in a state that requires that their taxes be withheld, um, that may happen as well. Third one is you can roll it over into your new employer's plan. If you haven't retired and you're going to another firm, your employer may have a plan that you can roll it directly into. The fourth one is to roll it into a traditional IRA rollover. Um, and the last one is to roll it into a Roth IRA. So all of those have pros and cons that go along with them, but you actually have five different choices. It's not just, okay, roll it over so a new advisor can make money off of you. Right. <laughs> right, right. And that's so true. I don't think that the majority of people well, out there really have a good understanding of what all their options are. And it's important to also understand with all of those options what the fees are associated with each one of those actions. So if you leave the money with your current employer and they allow you to do so, it's, well, it's important for anyone who's participating in any plans to know what they're paying for. Uh, this has actually become a very important part um, of the fiduciary rule that has been trying to be passed through um, which pretty much, uh, I think, became a dead issue last week. Uh, the Department of Justice didn't push it through to go to the Supreme Court, so I have a feeling that this um, fiduciary rule uh, in the state that it was may have completely died at this point. But if nothing else, it has educated people along the way. And so um, the important part of that education was that participants understand the fees that they're paying. Uh, with their current plan um, or with a former plan. Before, it, was, it wasn't very transparent, and now they must uh, share that with all participants, which I think is huge. Yeah, I think that that's an extremely important thing, and to your point, it used to be absolutely clear as mud how much the actual plan cost because there's so many different aspects to it. There's the cost of the investments, and there's the cost that the actual record keeper is charging, and Sometimes there's a financial advisor, so it it is hard. How would you counsel somebody to obtain that information? Well, right now it should be disclosed on um, all their statements they're receiving or if they're getting electronic information, it should be disclosed there. So uh, let's break that out. And you just hit on, on some very important points there. So there can be an administrative cost. So there's usually a third-party administrator, and they can make um, they could be charging a fee. There also can be a record keeper, so someone who is keeping track of the allocations within the plan that go to each one of the participants. The record keeper might charge a fee. Then you can also have an investment manager, and they may also charge a separate fee. So those are three back office fees that 
participants hadn't been seeing prior to the requirement that they become transparent. Now, you can obviously question your uh, employer to see a breakout of how those are be being paid. And in some cases, the employer is actually picking up the cost for the participants, which is very beneficial, obviously, to the participants. But in addition to those three fees, the selection of the underlying investment within the plan that the participant may be making may have a fee as well. It could be in the form of a mutual fund. It can be an exchange-traded fund. Actually, it can be just about any, any um, publicly traded security. There may be, um, there usually isn't trading fees associated, but there can be an underlying cost. And if there's an annuity involved, um, the insurance company would be charging a fee on top of that as well. Now, when a plan is disclosing to you what the investment options are, at least my experience in the past couple of years is it's been very um, upfront as far as listing what the cost is with each one of those underlying securities. So I see that as being a big plus. Yeah, it certainly is. <clears throat> so obviously, I, maybe it's not so obvious, if I was with a big Fortune 500 company, and I had, I, I, and I left, and I still have a balance inside of my 401k, and I'm going to a smaller company. Um, how best to evaluate what I should do? Okay, so um, first look at those fees. What is a larger company charging you? What would the smaller company be charging you if you were to move it over to their management? Uh, you may find that with a larger company, you're actually getting economies of scale, and it may be less expensive for you to leave it there. You also want to evaluate what is the investment selection choices. Believe it or not, to have a qualified plan, the, the minimum amount of, of securities or investment options you have to choose from are three. So if you're, if you're going to a new plan that has a very limited investment option, I'd say try to stick with the one with the larger investment option choices. So legally, um, there only need to be three investment options inside of a 401k. I think that that surprises a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you will find that many plans still only have six or seven. And you know what? I, I see that as being advantageous in some cases. Because if the average plan participant isn't an investment guru and doesn't want to spend any time on this, if you start giving them 40 different options to choose from, odds are good all they're going to do is look at past performance and you know run their finger down that line and say, okay, what performed best and just pick them by, by doing that without any active knowledge of of what they're selecting and what the current market environment may be. Right. And maybe if you have a lesser choice, um, the decisions might be based on something else. So um, so everybody's a little different that way. You have to weigh your knowledge of investing and making your decisions, whether a broader scope is better than a, a narrower scope. Got it. Perfect. Okay. And there's obviously, like you were talking about, if you decide that you're going to take just take the money out, you, you may pay penalties, there's going to be withholding, so that may not be a, a really great option. Right, right. So something else to remember there is uh, you mentioned the word penalty. If you're under the age of 59 and a half and you separated from service uh, with your employer, 
you may actually have a 10% penalty for taking the money out of the plan and taking a cash distribution. Now that 10% doesn't come out when you take the distribution, it's actually filed on your tax return and you have to pay the, the bill um, on April 15th. Now if you are separated from service at the age of 55, um, so between 55 and 59, you actually may be able to avoid that 10% penalty. Uh, there's a ruling called 72T that has a number of different exemptions that allow you to avoid that 10% penalty, and that is one if separation from service at age 55. If you're less than age 55, pretty much you're on the hook for that 10% penalty. Right. So that on top of the 20%. And I always like to remind people, you know, as you say, well, that's good because they're going to send it to Uncle Sam and then I won't have to worry about it. But what if you're not in the 20% tax bracket? Right. Now you've given more money to Uncle Sam than you need to, and that money could have stayed inside of, of your retirement funds growing tax-deferred. So it's, um, yeah, it's something you got to pay close attention to. Yeah, it's extremely punitive to to take money out, to take a cash distribution from a, a qualified plan before you're 59 and a half. Um, and that's just because, I mean, the government wants to incentivize us to save long-term for retirement. So hopefully everybody who's listening has an appreciation for that, but always endeavor to, to not do that. So, all right, well, okay. I, I'd like to talk about sort of the, the, the opposite scenario of if I'm going from a small company to a larger company. Let's say that I started off at a, a local company and then I join a, a Fortune 100 company. Um, sort of the same wisdom on evaluating the fees between the two as to whether or not I should roll the money from my previous company into the new plan. Um, so all of the things that we mentioned, the fees, the investment options, um, the ability to have access to the account, too. Sometimes when you're going with a, a larger employer, you may have more bells and whistles being offered with the plan. So what we've seen in the increase over the past couple of years has been allowing a Roth 401k option, so you can save money on a pre-tax basis. Um, you also may have loan options or hardship withdrawal options with a larger plan that maybe a smaller employer might not have included. So um, you want to weigh the different options and the access that you would have to the money um, with each one of those plans. Got it. Now, if I'm going to a, a new company and they're offering a match and potentially profit sharing, do I have to roll an old account into that to take advantage of it, or can I start making contributions to take advantage of that? How does that work? Well, again, you have to refer back to the plan document. So uh, when you start with an employer, you have to look at your eligibility time frame. Some employers will allow you to become eligible day one. Some of you make, make you wait till three months, six months, or a year before you're actually eligible. And along those lines, too, might incorporate the rules on when you can roll over a, a former employer's plan into the new plan. So, you, excuse me, you have to understand what your options are as far as that goes. Um, now, if, um, 
a little uh, off certain as far as your question there because if you're eligible for a match, it usually has nothing to do with a new balance that's coming in. It only has to do with what is being um, contributed to from new a new money standpoint. Right. So. Okay. Excellent. <clears throat> and I think maybe it's important as we get into the uh, the area of whether or not to to roll it into an IRA to roll a previous 401k into an IRA just what it means to be a fiduciary so you as a fiduciary to your clients what what does that what does that I guess force you to do so the definition of a fiduciary is someone who is required by law to act in the best interest of another individual so we're holding ourselves up to a pretty high standard in saying that well, number one, with all of our clients, we actually give them all five of these options and make sure that they sign off on the fact that we have educated them and they know that they have other options as opposed to just rolling it over. And the decision has been made based on what will help them to get to whatever goals they're trying to achieve. So from my standpoint, um, I don't benefit by them just rolling it into an IRA rollover. Um, me personally, or legend personally as a firm, doesn't benefit from that. What Who has to benefit is the client. So if we evaluate the situation and it makes most sense for them to keep it inside of a retirement vehicle and moving it from one employer plan to another employer plan, that's exactly what we're going to say. And some of the reasoning that might go behind that, many people don't realize, but qualified retirement plans are protected from liability and bankruptcy. And so as long as you have your money with an employer plan, they're kind of hands-off. And in certain situations, if we have an individual who is a high-profile individual or someone who has a profession that um, being sued may be higher than any other individual, our suggestion might be to stay inside of a 401k. And so as a fiduciary, we look at that completely different. Um, we're looking at making sure that they're protected in the long, uh, over the longer term. Okay, so if somebody rolls, so if somebody rolls money out of a four hundred one k and into a traditional IRA, it does not enjoy the mm-hmm. same level of creditor protection. Well, this is important to understand: is that every state rules that decision. Hmm. In the state of Pennsylvania, where we're located, IRA rollovers. Um, experience the same level of protection as a qualified retirement plan. A traditional IRA also carries that in the state of Pennsylvania, but every state is not identical. And so it's important, and we have this conversation with our clients who live in Pennsylvania as well, to say, if there's at some point you're going to move out of the state, we are always recommending that they keep their IRA rollovers and their traditional IRAs separated. Many times when uh, in a, a participant rolls their money into an IRA rollover and then the next year they want to put in a uh, $5,500 contribution, they put it into the same account. Well, that automatically taints it from being an IRA rollover to being a traditional IRA. And if they end up moving to another state, we do our best to, to keep those separate, to keep them better protected, especially that the rollover funds. Excellent. A lot of people don't know that. No. And when would I, or tell me a little bit about how one would roll money into a Roth IRA. 
So we have seen the evolution of Roth now for a couple of decades, and it has been a phenomenal planning tool. And just to put clarification out there for those of you who might not um, be clear on it, a traditional IRA is when you put money in on a pre-tax basis, hoping to get a current year tax benefit. And you are required at age 70 and a half to start taking distributions um, from those pocket of funds. Whereas a Roth, you are actually making contributions on an after-tax basis, and when you do withdraw the funds at a later point, um, you do not pay income taxes on the distributions, and you are not required at age 70 and a half to take the required minimum distributions. So weighing the situation of doing or, or taking money from a plan that was on a pre-tax basis Enrolling into a, a Roth IRA may involve income taxes. So it's important to work with an advisor, with your tax preparer, to understand the income tax ramifications of doing so. But it also gives you a lot more flexibility in the future if you need those funds to take it out without a tax bill. And many people aren't thinking about this in the longer term, but with our issues with Medicare right now is that the copay that you're paying on Part B is actually evaluated based upon your adjusted gross income. And at 70 and a half, if you have a large pocket of money that's IRA rollover or 401k money, and you're having to take a required minimum of distribution, you may be pushing your Medicare copays higher. And that's an important factor. So we're not just looking at what does today's tax bill look like because this actually might be less expensive to pay a tax bill in one year than it might be over a number of years when you're 70 and a half and have to take the RMDs and have to pay higher Medicare copays. That is a such an important consideration and one that I think people rarely ever think about. So I think that is great. Mm-hmm. Well, Diane, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I would say from a difference-making standpoint, know your options. Make sure you've educated yourself on all the choices that you have and work with someone who is going to help you make a decision that's going to put you in a better place, not just today, but in the future. Well, I think that is great stuff, and that definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Diane, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So you can find more about us at our website, which is www.legend-financial.com. Or if you'd like, you can give me a call at 412-635-9210. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Diane your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out her website and obviously give her a call um thank you again diane george thanks for having me and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it come on